Hey there, Conquerors, and welcome to episode 191 of the Conquering Columbus podcast, the only podcast that brings you the stories of all the incredible business leaders and entrepreneurs throughout our great city. And today on the show, we've got Kelly Gratz joining us. And Kelly is the president and CEO of G2O, formerly ICC. And Kelly has shaped G2O as they have rebranded from ICC and explored new territory as a company in order to bring their customers more value in the ever-changing world of digital design and experience. And Josh will be flying solo today on the episode. I was out of town for a business trip, but I think you guys are going to get a lot out of this. Honestly, Josh asks some pretty insightful questions. So I hope you guys enjoy this episode and I hope you learn a lot. Before we get to that episode, though, as usual, we got to take a quick moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus, and their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting positive impact in our community. Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunity for youth in our community. To learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. That's smallbizcares.org. Conquering Columbus is also brought to you in part by the Sundown Group. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need including investors, mentors, capital, and talent through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself become the fastest growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. All right, Conquerors, let's get the show on the road. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment, and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus. Kelly, welcome to Conquering Columbus. Thank you. Thanks for having me. How's your day going so far? Good. A little long today, but good. Yeah. What time do you usually start in the mornings? Uh, Well, today I came out from Pittsburgh. So I was with the client last night and then got up this morning and then drove back and, you know, all that good stuff. Then the rest of the day. Is travel like that pretty common for you right now? It's off and on. It just depends. I like to go out and see where all our customers are and have dinner Mm -hmm. with them. And we typically will have better conversations over dinner. So Mm -hmm. I like to get out and see them. That's awesome. So one of the places that we usually like to start is just back 
you know, like your history, your upbringing, kind of what took you to the path of where you are today. So as you look back and you think about those milestones along the way, it can be as something as, you know, where you were born and raised all the way until high school, college. What really sticks out to you? And what are the significant uh, milestones along your life that brought you to present day? I think probably even just uh, my family. So I was born in New York, the whole family was. Um, there's nine kids, six girls, three boys. And um, it's funny because I think people always ask, what's it like for you know a woman in your position and all that? And our upbringing wasn't girls or boys. It was sports and us just playing together. You know what I mean? So, and in that with nine kids, you compete, you compete every day. <laughs> so I think that's one big thing. And then the other part was even through high school, I played sports and then in college I played sports. And I think teaming and being part of something has always been really important to me in that level of competition. Uh, and I think that's carried through in everything that I've done. So when you start a new job or you start a new position, you don't ever want to get behind you always want to be in the game. So you, you mentioned you played soccer in college. Looking back on that experience, I know one thing that Mike and I have talked about that we really miss when leaving collegiate athletics was not only the competition aspect, but the aspect of being around people who are really like-minded and going through really difficult things together. You develop like a bond and a connection really deeper than any environment I've found so far. And I think some companies are able to replicate it, but it seems a very difficult thing to do. When you first got done with college, did you experience any type of, uh, I guess, like loss from that? Were you able to move on fairly quickly? You know, it's funny. When I left college, I went to work for um, one of the big eight at the time. So it was Arthur Young, uh, which then quickly merged into Ernst & Young. Um, and it was the same kind of family. So I got really lucky because it was a very like-minded environment. Um, I think when you get on these projects for long periods of time, you're out of town. So you very quickly have to come together as a team again in order to uh, deliver on those projects. So to me, it was a great transition unknowingly, but I loved, I loved that experience and I was there for 10 years. And I think the big thing was being able to recognize now how important culture is. So when you get to a point where you're running an organization, uh, you can't overlook that. So even when I made the jump from Inventive, uh, which is now Sineos, I was there for 10 years, everybody would ask, well, you know, what do you want to do? You know, what what's your goals in five years? And at a certain point, it's not about your job title per se. You know what you can do, but it's more about what culture do you want to be a part of? What culture do you want to be able to inform and migrate and, and uh, reinforce? And that's probably the most important thing. And even now at G2L, I think it's clearly one of the most important things on our radar. Yeah, I think first leaving college, even maybe up until the last you know, two or three years, culture was something that I underestimated or really even couldn't wrap my head around. I didn't understand how energy or thought processes within a company would make or break it. I just thought you make your product and service and you make money. And if people are upset about it or people don't get along inside, it is what it is. But as I've begun to go through, you know, all the growth phases here at FMX and our in our company, and then watch the culture change, evolve, be shaped, um, I'm realizing just how crucial that is to everybody's performance and, and everything that we do outside of the company, which surprised me a lot. Yeah, I think people tend to think when you hear culture, it's about the ping pong table or the foos table, foosball table, and actually, culture is much bigger than that. Culture is about your level of commitment. 
Um, and what are you driving towards? And are you on the same team? Are you thinking differently? And do you have that energy to want to do more and to grow the organization, whether it's five people or whether it's 500 people? If you if you don't have that energy around it, around thinking differently about um, just that level of pride to deliver something really cool and innovative to a client, that to me is what culture is all about. So go back to undergrad. We finish up. Was your degree in accounting then? No, it wasn't, oddly enough. So here's weird moments of Kelly's life. Um, when I left, uh, I went to University of Dayton. Um, I graduated with a marketing degree. I started in accounting. I didn't like it at all. Um, and I went into marketing, and then I was interviewing with Arthur Young, which was one of the big eight that was known to be way more technical, and I was on the management consulting side, not on the accounting side. And um, they would only hire uh, like MIS, CIS degrees. And so at the time you had Accenture sprouting out and they were hiring history, English majors, all sorts of crazy majors. And they were just looking for problem solving skills. And so um, Arthur Young thought, well, you know what, let's try this and see how it works out. So they hired two as like prototypes. I was one of them here in Columbus. And so um, before I could start the job, I actually took classes at Franklin University in COBOL. I needed to learn how to program in COBOL before I could actually physically start um, at Arthur Young. And so that's what I did. And uh, I went into their management consulting practice and I was there for 10 years. So you finished that up and, and what's your mindset at that point? You said, you know, I'm just ready to move on from this or? So I had um, two kids. I was, I yeah, I had my second child, and the first one is like your normal firstborn, right? Very independent, very old soul. And the second one, when I would call home because I was still traveling, you know, four days a week, he was one that wanted me home way more. And so it just was a good time. Um, I was pretty senior in the organization, but at the same time, thought now is a good time to to do this and make the change. And so that's when I went to a software company here in town. <laughs> Um, for a year, but then I ultimately ended up at what is now Cineos uh, or Inventive Health and went through that transition point. And how long were you at Cineos or Inventive? 20 years. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So, and it sounds weird, but it's, I started there as part of a digital agency and then went through a couple of different iterations because we had the dot-com bust and I just learned so much about I maybe took for granted what Ernst & Young taught me and just that those methods, if you will. And so I think uh, to me, that was the interesting part is I leaned back on all that discipline that they you know, raised me in, if you will, straight out of college. Um, and so I was with, at the time it was called Incord Communication. So I ran a company called Blue Diesel, uh, which was a digital agency. And then I ended up just taking on more responsibility. So it never really felt like the same job, but they would throw me in situations that I really sometimes didn't have a background for, but it was, again, just relying on those problem-solving skills uh, and getting the team around that problem and then moving that problem forward. And the Blue Diesel even wasn't part of Inventive, or am I missing a piece? It was. Okay. It was. It, so I'm going to go back in the Wayback Machine. When I started with the company, it was actually called GSW and Associates. So you had GSW, which was the advertising agency, and then you have Blue Diesel, which was the digital part of that environment. Um, and then over the course of many, many years, um, 
Blaine Walter, who was the CEO, he ended up buying a whole bunch of companies and then Inventive purchased what was all these companies called Incorp. And then there's subsequent stories after that. So Inventive then went private probably uh, 12 years into that stint. And then we had a private equity come in, which was another chapter of this whole uh, development. Because when private equity comes in, they just look at the business from a completely different angle about, you know, where are the assets? How do you think about it? What is the market size? And they just take you through a whole different analysis of your business. So outside in versus inside out. And um, so then we went through another private equity transaction and then ultimately merged with a company called uh, INC Research out in North Carolina. So that perspective is interesting. So outside in versus inside out. So we're, we're talking more transitioning from strategy. How can we gain market share uh, more of like in a almost, I don't know if an abundance mindset is the right way to look at it versus how can we cut costs, make processes more efficient? Is that more the inside See, look? It, it's funny. Um, our private equity didn't do that. I know most come in and you know think about where the efficiencies are. Our actually looked at the assets and said, where can we compound? Where can we get compounded growth? And where's the market going? And where does that gap you know lend to? Let's go buy some additional assets. So they bought two um, uh, clinical research organizations, CROs, uh, right out of the gate. And then they bought a consulting companies. So they started to look at us in totality and where are those gaps in the offering and how can we be bigger? And so that so it was a very different experience than I think most people have with private equity. Um, it was about growth, all about growth. And so that was a really interesting perspective. So that's where I'm well, that's what I mean by outside in. Makes sense. And I mean, over the course of 20 years of being there, I have tons of experiences. I'm assuming what sticks out is significant highs or lows, anything in particular that you really reflect back on that helped make you uh, evolve your professional skill set? I, you know, so I lean back on Blue Diesel from a culture perspective. We had an awesome team and just an amazing synchrony of talent around, and not the same talent, but different kinds of talent that just came together to grow that business in a really uh, exponential way. That's probably one. And then the other one was we had won this very uh, unique piece of business, um, big piece of business, and we didn't have like a business line or a business unit to manage it. And so uh, the CEO at the time of Inventive asked me to create a business line to do it. And the business line was basically an umbrella of the entire organization. But how do I, how does our customers consume it versus these individual pieces? So it was this moment where it's like, hey, we have nothing set up for this. We have all the capabilities, but could you put it and package it up in a way that our clients can consume and we can start to scale this? And so it was a, it was a fun and interesting and a lot of work um, time because we were looking at our client's perspective versus our own internal perspective again. And so we built this thing up very, very quickly and scaled it. Uh, to be really powerful to, for our clients, especially smaller clients that wanted to um, have the power of all these capabilities, but in a way that could be aligned to their business. So a question that's a little bit off script, and if, if it's uh, too weird of a question, we can always yeah. bounce it out. But as a leader of an organization, you go to approach a problem like that, and nobody writes a blueprint or an agenda on how to tackle a problem like that. Like that's just real world an organization putting money in and saying, hey, you got to get this done. 
where do you go to try to figure that out? Like, how do you approach solving major problems like that as a business leader? Uh, you know, I, at first we had the client. So the client was driving us to do certain things, right? So we were scrambling and it was all day, all night getting people on board with this. And so your first thought is, how do I just get smart people around the table? And then the second part is um, understanding what's the immediate problem that I can solve and be successful. And what we ended up, you know, literally it started out as uh, an orange and ultimately became, you know, a fruit basket. It was very different um, because what we thought in pharmaceuticals, that's what uh, I worked in, you had a lot of product, a lot of uh, drugs that were going off patent. We thought, wow, what a great opportunity because you have all these late stage products. What ultimately happened was you had all these new products coming to market and that that market was much bigger than the products coming off market. And so what we started with, one hypothesis, we ended up morphing to another one based on what we had learned with this client. So we took what we had in hand and then learned from it and started to evolve the business based on market dynamics. So let's talk about wrapping up those 20 years and then where do you sit back? Where does, where does the path go from there? So after 20 years, um, you know, it was one of those moments where we had gone through all this change and uh, you get to a point where you just feel like you need something different. And so I was approached uh, by Blaine, who I'd worked with for, you know, 18 out of those 20 years about this technology company. And since I started in technology, you know, with, from the management consulting at EY, we started talking through what could we do with this. And to me, I always think um, technology, the, the pitfall is people think about technology versus what business problem are you solving? And so um, that was the exciting part of it. It's kind of transforming this into, you had this great technology company who delivered in a really amazing way that they took kind of for granted. Like that to me is the hard part. And they just thought that everybody did this. And I was like, no. And tying it back into, all right, what is that business problem? And so that's constantly where we're going is what business problem are we solving? Not just design or experience or technology or data for the sake of data. You can do that, but for what reason? And so we're challenging every one of our clients to try to articulate what business problem are they solving or what are they trying to solve? Hey there, Conquerors. We're going to take a quick break in the show here to tell you about one of our sponsors, Mix Wonders. Creating a podcast is a ton of work, and a lot of heart and soul goes into your work, and that's why you want your audience to have the best listening experience possible. And that's why we work with Mixed Wonders. Mixed Wonders is an agency that helps podcasters like us get the most out of their audio. And whether you're spending four hours mixing your podcast each week, or you just can't seem to get the level of quality you want out of your audio, Mixed Wonders makes it super simple to get pop star level audio at a low price. For a limited time, they are offering to mix your first episode for free. So just go to mixwonders.com, that's M-I-X-W-O-N-D-E-R-S.com to sign up for a free mix or consultation. Save time, sound professional, Mix Wonders. And right now we're talking about G2O, correct? Yes. Yes. And, and what business problem are you guys trying to solve as, as your organization? So, well, if I think about it internally, is making that migration. So... Um, you know, this organization started in, you know, like staffing. Um, and so it, and it was incredibly successful at doing that. 
Um, I think today we have started to morph into helping clients do more than just uh, providing really talented people. There are three parts of the business that kind of make sense when I explain it. The first part is a ex- uh, user experience team. So it's part design, creative, and part customer analysis and insight and research. And then you have a technology team and then you have a data team. So when you start to think about any client environment today, uh, you got to start with what is your customer, internal, external, what do they want? And do you know that? Or have they told you that? Have you experienced that? And how do we start to enable that in a different way? And oh, by the way, on the data side, is it working? And so we work with a lot of banks. We work with a lot of retail. Uh, We work a lot in healthcare. And so it's interesting, especially on the banking side, because if you look at it, all of that has changed. It's all gone from going into bricks and mortar into uh, a much more digital experience. And not even just like your phone, but you've got to be digital in everything that you're doing. But more importantly, it's got to be connected. So you don't want a different um, experience, a different outcome, I should say, you know, based on what you're doing. But you want a consistent experience. That makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. So you guys are providing that support and those products and services from a consulting standpoint then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we're, we're providing staffing, then we're providing consulting around the technology stack, if that's not a bad way to describe it, yeah. from a UI UX to a data analytics standpoint. Yeah. It's almost like the term in the market is you're migrating from a user experience to a customer experience. The customer is this wider umbrella whereas a user would be just one individual. But how do I think about them, no matter where they experience my brand, that it's consistent and connected? So can you dive into the rebranding process to go into G2O? Yeah, yeah. We probably started it two years ago, almost two years, 18 months ago. And we started it not as a rebranding exercise. We actually started it as, how do we think about ourselves? So going back to that culture, who are we and what are we really good at? And it came down to that first exercise was also a point of very, of collaboration, which was different in this organization culturally. They weren't used to everybody being, everybody having a voice. And that means at every level of the organization. So we had 40 people in a room um, and started talking about what do we do really well. And um, they were very uh, uh, different kinds of exercises. So if you had to describe yourself as, a piece of clothing, what would that look like? And the reasons why and behind it and what were you thinking and how did that come to be? And so ultimately we landed on a, a brand commitment, if you will, of collaboration, collaboration to greatness. And to me, that was something really amazing because it wasn't just about working together. It was about driving to greatness. And so um, that was, if you and I are on the same team, we're gonna work together to do the best that we can do. And then if it's me talking to a client, we're gonna to work together to do the best that we can do together. And it changed the paradigm with us, within us as an organization, which led to, we need to think about how we operationalize that, very, very different. And so that led to, how do we think about the brand? And more importantly, how do we work together? How do we create this environment that we wanna to work together in a very meaningful way internally so that when we went and talked to a client, they could see that and know that we wanted to do that and what the value of that would be. And so over the last 18 months, that's what we've been working on. And you know, coming up with the name was, I don't wanna say the easy part because it's never easy, 
Um, but the name really started to represent the outcome. So G2O doesn't necessarily, the G and the two and the O doesn't necessarily stand for anything in particular and specifically, but um, it means an, an awful lot to us because it's about greater outcomes. It's about being an essential partner like water is. So H2O being an essential partner um, to our clients. And, uh, you know, last night I just had dinner with the client. And one of the things he said to me was, I've never experienced a company like you. And I'm like, well, what do you mean by that? And he goes, he goes, we're launching Monday, this big initiative that we've been working with them on. He goes, it feels as if you guys are as committed to it as we are. And so to me, it was much more emotional, heartfelt than, you know, we delivered on time. We did this. It was a, a sense of trust. And that's where that, you know, collaboration to greatness is you, you should be able to feel that from this organization every single day that we we're going to be there and you can trust us to do that. And in a technology company, that's something I think unusual. That makes the culture comments you made earlier make so much more sense and kind of brings it back together. One of the things I read a book recently they're talking about called Playing to Win about the winning aspiration of the organization. And that's something that we're defining and refining a little bit more here at FMX. But it sounds like you guys put that at the forefront and it's, and it's driven your entire uh, company decision and, and what you guys look like today and obviously paying off really well. Yeah, it's, you know what, it takes time. You know, so we, we launched in August of last year and it's every day, you know. So every day is, you know, what's the culture? What do we stand for? And we're going to launch um, kind of a theme for uh, 20 here at the end of the month. And it's this constant, no, we're doing this. We're going to stay this way and we're going to keep doing what we what we need to do, be doing. And I think um, we just brought on some some key talent the part of last year and into this year that just kind of bolsters all of that. And it's exciting. So you mentioned how one customer reacted. How has the general consensus across all your customers reacted to the rebrand? Um, I think, you know, in general, they've all been, what? why are you guys doing this? You know, you have, we love ICC. And, uh, I, you know, I think when we started to explain why we were transforming, it didn't matter how they would consume us, meaning whether it was one person or a team, it was about our commitment to them. And so when we started to explain that, it was much more about how we wanted to behave with them. I think they actually appreciated it. I think they love the brand, um, you know, in terms of the colors and it's exciting and it's passionate and it's uh, invigorating is probably it. Um, but I think they love the story about how committed we are to them and how we want to work with them to be able to drive to a better result and an outcome for them. Any other notable current initiatives that you guys are focused on that you're really excited about? Uh, yeah, we are um, working on actually a new facility plan. So in uh, August, we are hoping to have a much more space, uh, a better space that actually embraces this level of collaboration. So we've been de designing this all out, you know, everything from how we work together to how we want our clients to come in, how we want them to think about us, um, the, the branding elements, but more importantly, just reinforcing that level of collaboration. So when you're sitting down, um, we want to be able to create spaces where there are tech boards or whiteboards that just constantly, hey, let's think through this. Let's see what this starts to look like uh, and embracing that collaborative space. So everybody's together. Everybody sits on the same floor. Uh, it's very different than our their current setup. 
What's the current size of the company? How many employees do you guys have? Uh, about a little over 400. And where do you plan to grow to more? Or do you like that size? Um, you know what? It's about uh, growing the organization in the right way, right? So we have some geographic expansion. So we just opened an office in Cleveland. Um, we're seeing great growth in Pittsburgh. Uh, we have great clients in Buffalo. So that's probably more um, about how we operationalize that uh, without diluting that, that level of commitment to our clients. Because they want it close by. They want to feel in touch, you know, and know that you're there close by. It's not a focus on employee count. I think it's a focus on how can we better serve our customers moving forward and what does that look like for us? Yeah, it's a, you know, I think growth comes in, um, I, I think growth comes in numbers, right? But it comes in value and how do we drive value? What are the goals do you and team have for the future? What are the goals? Um, so, you know what, ours is going to start to morph. I haven't even shared this with the company yet. Um, and the, we're all about breaking news. I know, exactly. Ours is, uh, you know, it's funny because I sat down and had a couple of conversations in the last six to eight weeks. And what's been interesting is, you know, again, how do we drive that value? And so we're going to drive value and in also industry verticals. So how do we have deeper conversations with clients? So when we walk in, we know their business, we know it because we've lived it. Um, and so we're going to probably start to see that investment, uh, in 20 kick out in terms of these vertical markets we want to go deep into. And then what about technology and digital trends in Columbus? Anything notable there that sticks out to you? Um, I Obviously, I think the big one that's sitting out there today is this customer experience. It's a big it's a big term, and I don't know necessarily that people really understand it. But more importantly, I don't think they know how to quantify it. So how do I know that I'm making my customer experience better? Um, and I think the other, I, I think you can see it every single day in retail. So retail is struggling because you got this big behemoth Amazon that will deliver every single day to your door and make it easy to ship it back. And so we sit and we look at our retail partners, our clients who have big stores like we have traditionally bought. You go to the mall, you try it on, you like it, you don't like it. Um, and so you start to see this transformation. And Columbus is a huge retail environment. And so I think you're going to start to see that transformation happened very, very quickly. It's going to be demanded based on the competition in the market that sits there. So I think for Columbus specifically, you're going to see retail um, go through some transformation pretty quickly. I think digital is um, I, I, it's constantly going to be multi-channel. Where are your customers wanting to be and how do they want to consume it? And you got to find those insights. And then you drive to what does technology mean and how does it support it? But you got to find the insight first. And transitioning that a little bit, what advice do you have? Like most of our listeners are young professionals, aspiring entrepreneurs, 24 to 36, mainly here in Central Ohio. Any advice for them reflecting on your personal journey? Yeah, I get this question. I, I always say this. Um, number one, embrace the culture. Number two, understand the financials. The financials will set you apart. So if you understand how whatever business you're in today, learning from, learn what makes that company valuable. And it might not be, you know, top line revenue in terms of growth. It may be that transformation about how do you create value? And in order to understand that, you have to understand the financials of that organization. And so uh, that is what I would tell you because it starts to not only today, but as you go up through the ranks, those financial understanding of those financials is going to better serve you, and how do they how do they attribute to growth? 
And the very last question of the show, it's centered on the theme on Conquering Columbus, which is live uncomfortably. So just understanding kind of what it means to you and how it relates to your life when you hear that phrase. Living uncomfortably. I think it's about accepting change. I think a lot of people are comfortable, you know, with the same thing every day. And I think you got to throw yourselves into, into positions, no matter what it is, a different grocery store. Uh, a different restaurant uh, to get yourself accepting change. And I would say that from 24 to 35, your target audience is figuring out ways that change is good. You get excited about change. Whenever I interview or I want somebody to come on board, I always ask them, this organization, our organization, is it is change. It's under change every single day. And it's something you either get excited about or you withdraw. And to me, I think that's the answer is you got to be you got to be comfortable with change and how do you get there? And so put yourself in that situation every single day because not even just for your mental health, but also, you know, where does your career grow and how do you adapt very, very quickly to that is important. That's awesome, Kelly. Thank you so much for joining us. Any final words before we part ways? Uh, no, just thank you for having me. This has been fun. Awesome. Thanks. Hey, Conquerors, that's it for the episode today. Hope you guys enjoyed that episode and learned a lot. If you did, make sure to leave a like, share us on Facebook with your friends. We really appreciate all your support. And every time you share our podcast or leave a review on iTunes, it really does help us out. Before we let you go, we want to take one last moment to thank all of our incredible sponsors here at Conquering Columbus. And that starts with Small Biz Cares. Small Biz Cares is a nonprofit founded by socially conscious community leaders here in Columbus and their goal is to connect, mobilize, and inspire small businesses to create lasting, lasting positive impact in our community. Small Biz Cares members have the unique opportunity to work with like-minded businesses to raise money and participate in large-scale volunteer efforts and improve educational opportunities. To learn more, visit smallbizcares.org. The Sundown Group is an Ohio-based nonprofit helping connect entrepreneurs to everything they need, including investors, mentors, capital, and talent, through business pitch events, workshops, and classes throughout the state. And you can get more information on the web at sundownrundown.org. And now I'm going to kick it back to Josh to tell you about our last sponsor, FMX. FMX is a cloud-based facilities maintenance and management software founded and headquartered right here in Columbus, Ohio. There's a lot of competitors in this space, but FMX has made a name for itself become the fastest growing facilities maintenance and management software on the market on behalf of its extreme ease of use and tailored fit approach to its clients. They serve industries ranging from education to property management, manufacturing, fast casual, and more. If you want to check out more, you can go to gofmx.com. You could drop me anywhere on the planet in any environment and I might get you know, my head kicked in in the beginning, but I'll find a way to survive. I'll find a way to get the job done. Yeah, there's a little doubt, but you know what? Once again, I think of that guy in my ear. I think about stepping up to the stage. I think about the challenge. Like, I've lost sometimes, but I've won more than I've lost. And so, like, I bet on me any day. Choosing greatness. Greatness doesn't choose you. You know, you have to choose it. And, you know, it's hard. I think there was a hunger in me. There was a desire just to make a difference. There was a desire to not just be status quo, a desire to not be average. This is Conquering Columbus.